Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome aboard That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday edition, two weeks in a row, baby. February 10th, 2022. The All-Star festivities are in the books. Uh, the uh, hockey's getting so the, the the men's hockey's getting started. They're over in Beijing, and there are just tons of NHL storylines today uh, happen over the last 24, 48 hours. So, like I said, the guys are back on the ice as we start turning things towards the playoffs and the trade deadline and everything else going on in the NHL. And we're going to continue the new the new setup here at THS. And instead of me jibbering jabbering for 10 minutes or so. We're going to get right into it. As always, Tab Bamford coming up here uh, from Chicago. Let's we'll talk about with Tab coming up. And uh, maybe we'll get Stevie in here again today down on the Gulf Coast. But right now, we're going to head on up to the great city of Buffalo and bring in our buddy right in the face of circle. Woohoo! Our sentiment, Mr. Joe Yarden. Joey, what's up, buddy? Welcome back. Paulie, good to be back. Like that, like that. I'm the centerman. I, I've been working on my draws here for the week, so you know, gotta <laughs> gotta get out there. Gotta get it started right here. We gotta get possession. We gotta we gotta get pucks in deep. We gotta do all that stuff. That's right, man. Good faces, men will be in a high demand here March 21st in the trade yeah, deadline no, here from the no NHL. Kidding. No so, kidding. I got you. You got to get a Paul Gostad or a Bob Corkum kind of trade. I got to keep it Buffalo eyes there. But you, you need a face-off guy. You gotta you gotta get somebody like that. Yeah, That's me. I, I see in your, uh, your your new noted hockey you were talking about uh, some yeah. prospects for the Sabres and so on and so forth. Let me ask you real quick. I know we got a long way to go, but real quick, just, I don't know, a minute. Is the Sabres going to be selling or are they just kind of holding pat with what they got after everything they've been through? Uh, I think they got a couple of guys. They got a few guys they can move. Um, I think you can move uh, Vinny Henestroza. I think you can move Cody Eakin. You can move Craig Anderson. Uh, I, I think those, those, those three guys you can move. Will Butcher is another one. Uh, Robert Haig. So yeah, they got a bunch of guys. It's not anybody that's going to be a blockbuster. They're not. They're not. They're not making a blockbuster trade. But like, if you need depth, people like call Buffalo, man. Send them pick. Send them. You know, send them some kind of you know young player you're giving up on or something like that. They'll be happy to take it. Or, They'll be happy to take them. So or yeah. season tickets to see the Bandits. Well, you, well hey, listen, <laughs> they're out drawing savers. <laughs> Well, you know what? The Pagulas are, you know, they might not like that for the Sabres, but they're happy about that for the Bandits because they own them too. So, you know, <laughs> it's nice to it's nice to have monopolies. So combined uh, in a week, if they get a Sabres game in and a Bandits game in, at least one sellout per week. Yeah, pretty close to it anyways. Yeah. I mean, that, maybe just maybe just ask both crowds to come to all games together just for unity, oh, for unity's sake, even though. And those are two very distinctly different fan bases. <laughs> it's a sad state of affairs. All right, brother. We got uh, tons of stuff to talk about today. We're going to go man. ladies first, though. Ladies first. Cammy Granado, man. Assistant yeah. GM with the Vancouver Canucks. Right after the blowout last night against the Icelanders. I know. that. I, I love that move for, for Vancouver. That's 
you know, I, I know it, it's been a, it's been a big deal through sports. You want, you want to get more people, you want to get more women involved. You want to get more people of color involved and in everything, but uh, getting, getting Cami Granado involved is just such a no brainer, man. Like, you know, Seattle got a lot of big thanks for, for hiring her on as a scout. Uh, when they, you know, when they started up the organization it was like, yeah, good, great. That's, she's a gold medal winner. She's probably the most revered American women's hockey player, uh, ever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm going too far in saying that honestly, but like you can't ask for a better, for a better hockey person, like from a hockey family like that, like, Hey, you know, you're not losing out there. Cammy's great. But like to, to have Vancouver doing that, like the, the, the way that they've remade their, their front office with some of their hires, you know, you had Cammy Granato, they added, they added Rachel Dory to their, uh, to their stat staff. Like they, they've gone in to be like, Hey, listen, some of the, the old man factory that we've had going here hasn't done anything for, for over 50 years. So like, <laughs> like maybe we just, maybe we do need a, a, a different perspective on this. Maybe, maybe we got to get some people in here who know some stuff and they just happen to be women. And Hey, you know what? With that, with that kind of action and Bruce Boudreau, Hey, I, I like that direction for Vancouver, but Cammy Granado's tremendous. Tre- uh, if I could talk, Paulie, I'd be so much. I'd be so problem, good at this. Joe. I'd be it's so okay. good at this. It's okay. But like, no, you get Cammy Granado involved though. Like that's that's such a great move. I, I, you know, I, I don't like that it took this long for for a woman to get hired into this kind of role or to, to that elevated kind of a role in hockey. But like, she's uh, she's the best. Like she she's absolutely a knockout for 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 that for that position and and for for this kind of role. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, just a great lady, a small, talented lady, and she's married to one of the smartest hockey guys I think in Ray Ferraro. Man, I mean, he's just—I yes. mean, he's unbelievable. And I, anybody out there, if you haven't listened to uh, Ferraro and um, Dredger's podcast, it's—it's it's by mm-hmm. far one of the best. You know, uh, compatible up there when uh, uh, Marek and uh, Wojcinski got together. You know, yeah, it's a dynamic yeah. duos. But um, no, it's—it's it's great for her. Unfortunately, the. Uh, uh, bad start last night as far as uh, the Islanders coming into town. Hey, talk about that real quick. I mean, uh, a lot of the teams now getting fired up. Uh, something I want to talk about, um, you know, with with the teams. I will tell you what. Before we get, even get into the teams coming back, um, a lot of the BS that's happened on the ice already. I, know you, you, I always put out my tweet. You know, when the stuff goes down on the ice, the you know the obviously the NHLPA doesn't really mm-hmm. care too much about each other when they're on the ice here uh, right. with some of the nonsense that's been going on. But with with Cammy coming in, uh, there's two big exits, buddy, and that's um, uh, obviously uh, Ducharme out in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And a uh, favorite of ours, obviously, Martin Saint-Louis coming in there, uh, taking over interim right now. And the big news dropping just about an hour or so ago, and that's Dave Tippett out. Evander Kane comes in, and Tippett goes out. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I want to believe that's a coincidence and I will believe that's a coincidence. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll choose to believe that is a coincidence, okay. indeed, but like, uh, that's, I mean, somebody has to take the heat there, right? Like, I mean, Edmonton, what, they gave up goals in the first two shots they saw from Chicago, uh, last night, two nights ago, whatever it was like, yeah, it was ugly. okay. Like Chicago's not good. And you know, you're giving up goals in the first two shots. They get they get absolutely embarrassed by Vegas. Like, you know, you get taken to the woodshed, what, seven to one, something like that. It was it was brutal. Like things have been wrong with this team for like what, two months? Two months now, probably, I think. Two, maybe two and a half. 
Like, you know, they started and off you might pretty say, hot. And you might say, you know, like I said, Chicago, I mean, what they're going through on and mm-hmm. off the ice. Right. That's, a, that's just a team that you really shouldn't lose to in any regard right now. No, no. And, you know, I mean, Chicago, Chicago's kind of uh, been used as the uh, example for some people uh, for for wanting to pick on other teams, I guess. But, you know, I, I you know, in this case, I mean, you can just flat out judge Edmonton based on, on that game, on the Vegas game, on every, you know, almost every game they played the last, you know, two months, you know, aside from like that, that quick, like three game, three game win streak they had after they had that really long losing streak. I mean, they're so inconsistent. They got so many problems. Like people want the goaltending to be changed. It's like, yeah, yeah, they need that. But they're also not scoring any goals. Like that's, that's the other part. Like, and if People there's want any to pick signs the goaltending, the- rightfully, but then they don't <laughs> score any goals. So it's like, uh, what's going on here? Like that's it, it's, man, it's, it's. If there's just any like, sign it, from the from the squad that was in Vancouver last night, they got the '83 Islanders coming in next. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, I, I mean, that's not going to get any easier. That's not any more fun. I mean, I mean it's Islanders. So, like, you know, maybe maybe it will be fun. I don't know, but like, man, it, it's and in Edmonton, it's it. Like sometimes you could say it's death by a thousand cuts, but this is like death by a thousand cuts, but also uh, five different hatchet wounds and four machete slashes, some sword, some sword shots. Like they're they're just there's so many different things going wrong with that with that group. And you know I've said for for a long time now because the Oilers have been so very inconsistent now for a long time. You know, like ever since they made the Cup final back in '06. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Who was coaching back then? Was that Muckler? In two thousand six? No. no. Um, was that? Oh, it might have been. Was that Ken Hitchcock? Continue to talk. Hitch. I'm going to confirm yeah. who was. Coaching. Please look that up while yes. while I while I make a point. But like, uh, it's the the inconsistency has been so much that like you can't. You know, you can point it, point it at like some of the old guard Oilers guys that are in the executive branch there that have been there that never lose a job. Uh, you can point it at, you can point it at Ken Holland now because, you know, the, you know, things haven't gone well, but like he inherited a mess from Peter Chiarelli and like, that's, you know, that's no good. And the one guy that's the constant is Daryl Cates, the owner. And like, you know, if you're the owner, you got to step in at some point and be like, yo, let's do this for real. Instead of trying to like, you know, give like a bunch of like guys who are maybe maybe lost their fastball and management to a job, you know? Do they? Well, first of all, it was Craig McTavish was uh, head coach of the Oilers. Oh, Shame man. on us for not knowing that. Yeah, that's And bad, uh, number two, uh, brand new building here. Um, they gave uh, McJesus all the money. I mean, mm-hmm. is there any money left in Edmonton to to build, obviously, the back end that they need so much? I mean, and, and, I mean, you, you, we, we joke about Ken Hitchcock. He'll probably get the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who keeps the fixer, and then he moves on. Right. So. He's, he's the wolf. He's he's the wolf that gets <laughs> called. the wolf, like, yeah. Hey, our, our team needs some defensive responsibility. Call Hitch. Get him in here. <laughs> Clean up this mess. But, I mean, it, it's – but it's like, yeah, yeah, the defense is a problem. It, it has been for ages. You know, goaltending is a problem. Has been for years. You know, forward depth is, is terrible. Has been for a very long time. You know, like – all of it is it's the same problem just dressed up in different ways and now you're at a point where you've you've pissed away what it's 5 6 years of McDavid oh. you know 
and all the number one draft picks away six seven the number one draft picks ahead of him right and like yeah yeah i mean you burn it with everly you burn it with hall like nugent hopkins is still there but he's He's not what he not what he was, not what he was supposed to be. You know, Nail Yakupov is still playing in the KHL, so good for him. That's nice. You like <laughs> to see that. But like, I mean, what like what are you gonna like? I don't know how, what you do with this other than just gut everything and just be done with it. Because you got to think at some point, McDavid and or Drysdale is gonna be like, "Yo, I'm done with this. This is this is horrible. Get me out of town." You know, like I see what happens with. Like I see the you know McDavid's expression like he saw him during All Star Weekend he looked like he would rather have been rather have been like buried under a truck you know a mile underground but like isn't he having like that same sort of feeling playing in Edmonton at this point like he's only three years in on his eight year contract right well I mean well here's the thing like if you say like we're looking to move Connor McDavid everybody's clearing out salary space instantly to be like all right we can make this work we this this. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to find a way to make this work. But like, man, like, I mean, we saw this with Eichel, like in Buffalo, you know, and, you know, the last thing I want to do is bring Buffalo in and kind of talk here, but like Buffalo is kind of Edmonton East. So, you know, it's, no, it's, yeah, it's no. a lot of the same. He'd probably retire from hockey. No, I'm out of here. No, but no, no, no. I'm saying like the situations, like what Eichel had in Buffalo, gotcha, what McDavid's yeah. going through in Edmonton are like parallel. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a you know, shame. It's just that McDavid's made the playoffs a couple of times. That's the only difference. Do you wonder, real quick on this, because, you know, we're talking about McDavid. You talk about what happened with Eichel, and I'm sure there's a couple of teams we're going to forget about here or there. But, you know, the parity structure that's been built into the NHL right now, um, you know, you, you can say about the plus sides, and we can talk about, you know, okay, the, the wild card thing is great and everything. But I think it, it, it obviously, it waters down talent. And... You know, when we talked last week about some of the good teams here uh, on the east side, like whether it's Boston, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, uh, who won't go away, and Washington, you know what I'm saying? Because um, the McDavid's of the early 2000s, a la Crosby and Ovechkin and, and Malkin and stuff, are still playing at a high level. And mm-hmm. they're carrying their franchise and their team or their GMs or their scouts have been able to fill in the, the pieces along the way to keep them competitive. And then you talk about Buffalo and you talk about Edmonton. Yes, they've just been this endless drought of, uh, um, you know, just lack of success. And it doesn't seem, it seems like now both of these teams, even with uh, Buffalo, might be still six, ten years away from anything. Um, Edmonton right now, who comes in and fixes that, number one? I can only imagine what kind of meetings they're going to be having here because I, I think you're right. When you have two studs like Drysaddle and McDavid on that team, Granted, they're still young and everything, but for those guys, they have to fix it quicker on the ice than you know yeah. any type of think. All right, you know Connor Dressel here. We're gonna we're gonna step back for another two three years and try and rebuild this thing again. Hell no, mm-hmm. you can't. No, you you, you can't. Like it, it, and like, and I don't know if there's you, enough talent going around for them to help them, Joe. That's what I meant with the parity and the watered yeah. down talent of the league. Yeah, I, I mean. You'd have to like, I mean, to get the proper return for a McDavid, you either have to go to a team that's already loaded that doesn't need him, where you can get you can, you can pull enough pieces from him and say like, all right, this makes sense. Like, if you traded McDavid to Tampa, you could put together a perfect package there, easy, like, easy. But like, why would Tampa ever do that? They've won they've won two straight cups. There's no need for them to ever make that move. You could you could maybe do it with Florida, but Florida has just gotten their act together with the crew that they've got. Why would you do that there? 
no need. Vegas, they've already pulled everything apart for for Eichel and Pacioretty and all these guys that they've brought in already. Um, you know, like any of these teams that have enough talent to be able to pull it off, they they have zero. There is zero cause for them to do it. And the teams that would want McDavid and would need him the most can't do it without not without deciding they're going to sacrifice their entire future to make it happen. Like if you if there's you know, you know for example. I mean, well, just make it any team. If you're going to cough up like three of your first, you know, your next three or four first round picks and and your top prospect, you know, that, I mean, maybe that, maybe that gets something close to what Edmonton wants, but yeah, like, and or if that fails though, that team that just right. gave up all those prospects ends up turning into an Edmonton or Buffalo afterwards. Right. Exactly. Then they're screwed. So like, that's, that's the spot you're, you're, you're kind of stuck in there. And I, I think that's why a lot of these, you know, like if you're going for like a huge blockbuster deal, like, you know, at least what Buffalo aim for, you have to kind of eat, you know, sit back and eat a little bit of crow just to be like, all right, you know, we want all these things, but like, we know we're not going to get all of them, but we want them. And if somebody gives it up, like, Hey, cool. But nobody's, nobody's doing that. Like Buffalo got pretty close, pretty close to what they were looking for in the Eichel deal. But like, you have to assume you're still going to eat a loss on that deal. You know, Alex Tuck looks good. Peyton Krebs looks good and all that. But like they're not Jack Eichel, you know, (laughs) like that's that's the whole thing. And, you know, Jack Eichel, as soon as he starts playing for Vegas, Vegas is going to be in the driver's seat to win the West. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Joe. We'll we'll see how that plays out, Joe. Right. Right. I mean, Colorado (laughs) gets smoked by the flames the other night. Minnesota's good. Well, Calvin Markstrom have eight shutouts now. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, well, it's the Sutter hockey too, baby. Love it. That's where that's at. So, you know, I'm so mad. I had I had Markstrom on a like a a, a um like a uh, a a keeper fantasy team. Gotcha. And I had to decide between him and Cam Talbot. And Markstrom oh, no. was rough last year. He oh, was no. rough. Like he had a hard time. Talbot was pretty good. You went with Cam, didn't you? And I said, I can't trust. I can't trust Markstrom. He's oh. a ton of money. I can't keep him. Had to get rid of him. Yep. Oh, yep. 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 I'm lucky to be winning any games at all. So, yeah. You know, like nobody wants to hear about fantasy teams, but that's that's one that's that's one where I want to kick myself about. All right. Well, speaking of uh, let's shift. Over I'll never here. be it. Maybe maybe that qualifies me to be an NHL GM. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I can be the GM of the Oilers now. Hire Joe Yurden, baby. Put that, put that <laughs> hashtag back up, buddy. <laughs> All right, uh, your thoughts on uh, Martin St. Louis uh, getting the, the interim gig here. I, look, I love Marty. I uh, love him as a player. Loved him when he was a Ranger. It was too short. I was just looking at highlights. Somebody put up some of the highlights there, you know, when he scored the, uh, I think it was the Game 3 overtime winner uh, against the Canadians, and obviously they get to the finals. You know, I sit back and I go, what a shame. I mean, L.A. just had a super team, and Quick was unbelievable, and, and the Rangers just couldn't find that that offense during that that series, and... But, man, you know, as a Ranger fan, I was just sitting there and seeing all those guys swarm Marty in the corner. And I said, man, what a shame that and with Hank that that team didn't – that didn't they didn't bring it home, you know? I mean, yeah. you know, the L.A. team – I'll say that, too, because the L.A. team, they went on to win another one anyway. They got two. It would have been nice if we just got to get one. But anyway, um, I had no idea – he was. I thought he was chilling down in South Florida or wherever, and just like fishing and stuff. I didn't think he was doing anything. Now I know he hasn't really been. I don't know, Joe. Maybe you know him more than me. I love the guy. I guess it doesn't. Nothing's going to help Montreal the rest of the season, no matter who's in there. It's over. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they got to bring the ship back to the dock and rebuild this damn thing. Yeah. But um, I guess more than anything to me, it's a colorful hire. It's it's intriguing and cool, but I don't I don't know how much <laughs> sense it makes. It's a it's a great distraction from what a mess everything else has been. Oh, for them, that, for like the last what year is that and a Jeff half. Gordon, that's that's the distraction. I mean, yeah, yeah. Look at well, yeah. I mean, it's not. Don't look I at the team on case, the ice. Look at the Hall of Famer on the no. bench. <laughs> if he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, then then I'll you know then I'm a believer. Um, but I mean, if I mean that's just Jeff Gordon going to somebody that he knows and trusts and be like, hey, listen, I know you haven't coached at any pro level before, but you're you're a more recent pro. You kind of get how it goes. You know, he's got a college degree. He's a nice college, nice college guy. Mm-hmm. You know, UVM, wonderful, wonderful college guy there. But, um, but I mean, like, it's not like he doesn't know the game. <laughs> you know, it's not like he's a bonehead. You know, any coach can can figure out what kind of drills work and and you know what kind of systems to put in place. Can he instruct it and make it work? Who knows? He's the interim. We'll see. It's an it's a great audition. Because, you know, hey, listen, he mines the rest, mines the ship the rest of the way. They're going to be bad the rest of the year. Like, you know, Marty's got no pressure on him. Like, I mean, the only pressure he's got is to deal with the with deal with the media every day, Like, <laughs> which, listen, Montreal, that's a big deal. But like he he doesn't really have to do a lot to really kind of, you know, make things happen. He's just got to play nice with the press. He's got to, you know, get some of these guys, you know, get some of your younger guys that you know you're pushing forward with to be better and, you know, find ways to get some other guys to work out, you know, like that's, that's kind of where, where they're at with, with where, with, with how things are. I mean, look at everything that's happened with this team since they made the, the, the cup final, like, you know, they fired the GM, you know, they've, they've had, you know, price gets, you know, Price gets he gets hurt, and then he goes off. You know, he goes into the 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 league program. Shea Weber's out for the year; career might be over with. Um, you know, they you know, they made they made all kinds of deals. They you know they've decided to keep some guys and move on from others, and it's just it's a lot. That's a lot of drama. I, I was kid about how like Buffalo's never boring because there's there's always drama. Montreal is drama. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if Mon- Montreal was was a cable network, they're TNT because Montreal is and drama. It's on See? another level because of their you know, their franchise, their history. Right. Their... But like, you know, Marty, Marty knows the language, which, you know, we know is important. You know, people kid around, but that's a big deal in yeah. Montreal. Um, even though it, that could be a detriment to them finding people to work there. But, you know, that's let's not let's not get down that rabbit hole. But like there, I mean, he honestly has no pressure. I mean, if he guides, if he guides the team into getting the number one pick, then I think. I think people will love Marty St. Louis as the, as the coach. If he has any success like Boudreaux and maybe fires off six or seven wins. Oh, people are going to be pissed. They'll have a parade for him. No, no, no. If he has too much success, people are going to be they're going to be hyper pissed up there. Are you kidding me? People are already <laughs> trying to figure out how they're going to draft, you know, you know, which of the the top guys are going to draft. Like they can't wait. They can't wait for they can't wait for the draft now. Even if the draft doesn't happen in Montreal, which Picture that if the draft ha- ended up happening, ends up happening in Montreal, and, Mo- and the Habs have the first pick. Good God Almighty! It'd be like the Super Bowl up there. I know, right? Home Not tonight. the Cup final because that's for good teams, but it'll be like it'll be like the Super Bowl, which you know they don't play they don't play American football in Montreal, so it's fine. <laughs> it's different. So he gets the he starts out tonight home against the Caps. Uh, I don't think uh, from what I saw from the Senators game last night. I don't think anybody's allowed back in the stands yet. Maybe a few people or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it'll be quiet, at least, for him I in think, his first game. Yeah, my, uh, Quebec's kind of getting a little bit 
yeah. easing up on things. I don't know that they've eased up on it. I don't know if it goes for this game yet, but it's soon mm-hmm. where I think they'll be able to have half a half full building, but or a quarter full building, whatever it is. Yeah. But it'll be soon, but but yeah, I mean, good luck to Marty. He killed it. He, he won the press conference, which when you get brought in for a new yet, position, man. I got. It. I'm yeah. looking forward to. It. Was it good? It was really good. It yeah. was really good. So you win the press conference, you're off to a good start. I gotta watch that. That's awesome. And if you know French, it's even more fun. <laughs> Too much. All right. Well, we wish uh, Marty all the best of luck, and we'll continue to uh, follow that story uh, going forward here on THS. Um, we got to talk about uh, Tuka Rask here, a uh, guy you're very familiar mm-hmm. with, as far as you know, being in the uh, Atlantic uh, Conference here, you know, Atlantic Division, Eastern Conference over the years, Sabers, Bruins, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess I'm not surprised, uh, and I guess I guess the discussion now is is whether or not he. Should have tried to come back, whatever. But anyway, Joe, I just kind of want your thoughts on on him as a player. And and do you th- uh, the question came out yesterday: is he a is he a Hall of Fame can- candidate? Uh, it's I don't know. Goalies are weird with the Hall of Fame. You know, like it's the 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 way you judge goalies is very hinges very much upon the era. And you know, and but the problem with comparing goalies is that they always get compared across eras. So, you know, you see a guy like Grant Fuhrer who, you know, wins a bunch of cups with the Oilers and, you know, was had an outstanding career there. And people were just like, he was no good. You know, the Oilers, you know, helped win a lot of games for him. It was just like, yeah, but <laughs> you still need to have a guy stop the pucks like to win the titles. You know, I mean, I know they outscored teams like crazy, but you still need the guy to win. And, you know, I mean, people say, wow, if he played to, if he played in this era, he'd be awful. It's like, well, how do you know? You don't know, like we like. Maybe it's Andy know. Moog's fault because he can't. Yeah, right. Maybe it's Billy Ranford's fault too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Just hanging on those guys. Andy Moog never won with Boston either, so yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's his fault. Take that, Andy. You 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 made it. You made it rough, but yeah, it's you know, I, I, I think to me too, because he's been one of the best, most consistent guys through his time in the league. Like that's flat out. That's the way it is. They probably should have won the cup in nine, 2019 against St. Louis probably should have won that year. And it's, you know, St. Louis was played great. You know, I'm not taking anything away from St. Louis, but like Boston, that Boston team was set to win and Rask played great. Rask played great. Yep. Rask got a lot of undue grief from Boston fans. You know, you always see the blame Tuca hashtag on Twitter Sometimes used in jet, you know, sometimes is, you know, tongue in cheek, but you know, a lot of times it was for real, mm-hmm. you know, there was, you know, some people, you know, some people in the media there that weren't big Tuca fans and, you know, they always like to point the finger at him, which I don't, I don't understand, man. Like that, that dude is just, he's good. He, he was, he's got, he's got a great, the, the personality on him is, is, is fun. He's very, you know, he's classic quirky goalie, but like, he'll, he'll give it to you straight. He doesn't care. He's just telling, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Stunk. You know, and I, and honestly, like his the tantrums every now and again, hilarious. Great to see it. You know, the 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 story about him throwing milk crates in Providence is like all is like Tuka legend. You know, the guy the guys. I know, I I got a lot of I got a lot of love and respect for Tuka. He had, Plus, he had a real tough act to follow there in Thomas too. Oh yeah, impossible. I mean, Tim Thomas was he was he 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 acted like every Bruins fan basically. You know, he was a he was a you know crusty dude playing goal and he just went balls out every every game like that you play like that and you win your team a cup you're going to be a fan favorite no matter what but like Matuka, I mean just I, 
it's a tough act to follow because, you know, I mean, that was Boston's first couple, what, 40 years, almost 40 years Yeah. in 2011. Like that's, it's a long time. It's, you can't unseat guys that, that, you know, that break, you know, that break a drought like that. But, um, but I mean, Tuka was good. It was just, you know, sometimes, you know, things happen. Like you, you can be the best team in the league and still not win the Stanley cup. Like that's just how it works. Plus, you know, I'll, I'll let you know, Paulie, if you ever need a drummer in your band, no way. Call Tuka. Seriously. I'm dead serious. I'll I'll send you I'll send you a YouTube video. He there was a there was a weekend or no, it was a it was a time when the Bruins were set to play here in Buffalo and they were in town a couple of days early and the Pan, the Sabres are playing the Panthers uh the night before them or the or the day before they played the Bruins. The Bruins were already in town. And that was the first year Sean Thornton was with Florida after he left Boston. So a bunch of the Boston guys, you know, got together with Thornton, you know, they go and hang out downtown Buffalo go out and have a time. And they wound up at this place on Allen street called Nietzsche's. And there was a fish cover band playing and sure enough, Tuca gets up on stage with him and starts playing drums. Wow. It looked pretty, he played pretty well too. It's jam so, band stuff. You gotta be good to play that stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, right. And well, you know, maybe I, that's why he's retiring. So he can, him and Hank can start a goalie rock band. I, I'm Hank's a pretty well, good guitar player. Can Swedes and Finns get along though? Oh, that is a good question. I don't know. Good I don't know if that question. could that could go peaceably. That might that might be like definitely gonna have to wait until after the Olympics, Mac right there, yeah. just fighting each other. You know, and they're gonna have to wait until after the Olympics to talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man, did you have China in the game against USA? No, no, you didn't. I, okay, I, I did right. not. Yeah, I listen. I was talking with some some people about like <laughs> how would how would this China team. Now, mind you, it's the Kunlun Red Star team from the KHL. Like, it's 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 that roster. So it's not, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, a lot of Chinese players on there, but there's a lot of North American guys on it, too. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's just the way it works. It's KHL. That's that's yeah. what happens. And this U.S. team had a pretty easy go with them. What would the normal U.S. team have done against them? Mm. Picture a team of NHL All-Stars playing against the worst team in the KHL. Every day of the tournament, that's a bad. That's a bad setup. Let's do it. Instead of the Olympics, Joe, just <laughs> we have the new idea, folks. You take the best NHL team, put them against the worst KHL team. Not the best KHL team. I, I got a one. feeling Vladimir Putin would not be okay with that. Yeah, well, I he's think he might disagree. Looks like he's going to be busy for a while anyway. Yeah, what yeah. He decides to yeah, do here. Let's... Yeah, let's oh, stay boy. away from that one, Baldy. Yeah. Let's get away. All right, buddy. Last two things before I let you go. Um, speaking of um, Tuka Rask and losing to the Blues, uh, Barubi gets a three-year extension. Mm-hmm. He's not only uh, he's keeping him in there, and obviously, look, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you, you have to play the Blues in the playoffs with Barubi behind the bench, obviously what he's done. But, mm-hmm. it's you know, he's just one of those, you know, it's you, you think about it now. You, you look at how Gallant is coaching the Rangers. It's a great column mm-hmm. today if you get a chance from uh, Larry Brooks just taking us inside and, and um, you know, guys like Strom and, and Kreider commenting, you know. And for me as a Ranger fan, when I started seeing guys like Zibanejad sign on for the long terms and, um, you know, uh, uh, you know Foxy, you know, these guys, Kreider had already had his deal, you know, and Strom's already in his two-year deal, whatever, and Shesty and all those guys. But seeing, and you know, you know, Panarin's locked up. So the main core leadership of this group now is kind of signed in for a long time. And and I think if any of us were kind of concerned with that as Rangers fans with, with all the changes, the Tom Wilson incident and, and J.D. and Gorton going and everything else, to me it was like, wow, if the players are buying in, 
And now as you go in with the 30-plus wins, and, and I, I would say to anybody, read the column from Larry Brooks today in New York Post. It's really excellent, and um, it gives you kind of really uh, how that kind of buys in. And you think of um, you know how that's working for a guy like Barubi too, former player, kind of a, you know, uh, you know, Blue collar kind of guy, Tough like Brent, like Brindamore too, like in in Carolina. You know what I'm saying? These guys weren't like the number one stars necessarily on their team, but they were um, definitely lauded for their work ethic and mm-hmm. and um, and just their personalities and their hard work and everything else. So Baruby gets the three year extension there too. Good for him. And then the other thing I just want to touch on real quick is, uh, you know, we can talk about the the March and uh, suspension here. In addition to just some of the other crap that went on here after the games. You know, you have this yeah. to me, Joe. You have this farce of an All Star weekend. You know, whatever how it was. I had fun with my kid watching the skill stuff. I thought mm-hmm. the fountain toss was fantastic. It's great. Yeah, and, and the cards with the guys. It was like it's like these great moments with the players, and they have the microphones and they put them on, and ha ha ha. And then you know, all the they're all having fun doing the skill competitions. Great, and then they have a great laugh with the three on threes and all that other stuff. Man, they all go back to their teams, and this week they were all trying to put each other in the hospital, dude. No kidding. Jeez. Uh, Marshan, listen, he's he's been what? This is his second suspension, I think, this year. Like, it's both doozies. Like, this is a six, uh, six gamers is, is a big deal. And you know what? He earned it. He suckered Tristan Jari, and then he's getting dragged away by the ref, and he slaps him with his stick. Like, I don't know what you're expecting there, man. Like, that's. You're you're gonna go sit for a long time, especially when you got a rap sheet like Marshans. Like that's just the way it's gonna go. I mean, hey, you know, maybe maybe wanted a little bit of an extended vacation, anyways. Maybe maybe still had reservations, you know, in Cabo. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's how it works out. He's like, man, I had these reservations. How am I I'm supposed to be off this week? What the hell? But like, uh, he could have just said he got COVID. You know, it would have put him out on on the Ovechkin seven day protocol. <laughs> Do you like how Ovi cleared? protocol right oh, how quick was that huh <laughs> wow <laughs> ding ding like, wow he's practicing first day back huh wow that's yeah. that's, that's crazy it's amazing timing miraculous once shame on dems fool yeah. me three times and i don't know what i'm talking about over yeah, here <laughs> but i mean like but like yeah i mean marshan's thing is one thing market my buddy marcus felino came up with the ufc uh knee strike against what was it was a winnipeg the winnipeg last night oh yeah i mean it was, it was pretty rough. I mean, that was a rough and tumble fight. Marcus. Yeah. I mean, wh- Marcus, Mar- Marcus is a great guy, but I never want to be on the wrong side of him because he's tough. Like, I mean, he's not a brawler. Like, let's not get it lost here. He's not a brawler, but it's a big physical dude. And if you get hit by him, like, he's going to hurt. If you get punched by him, it's probably going to hurt a lot more. But like, I can't imagine a knee strike. I mean, that looked like straight out of straight out of UFC. Like that was some John Bones Jones stuff right there. But like, I mean, I. You know, he's probably going to sit a game or two, I would assume. I, I don't think that's been handed down yet, but I'm sure I'm sure by the time people get to listen to this later, you know, today, like the, the suspension will be down. But like uh, it's, you know, listen, I I know we're, we're getting into that. We're getting close to that. You know, the second it's only the second half of the season. It feels like, wow, it's you know, season's wrapping up soon. It's like, well, kind of they're cramming 40 games into the next you know yeah. two months. So like mm-hmm. it's going to get. It's going to get really tough and anybody getting injuries is going to it's it's going to really hurt teams because they're going to miss more games just because the schedule is going to be so compact with games from doing the makeups and, and everything like I don't know, man, but like, just yeah, just quit trying to kill each other, please. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. I mean, general injuries and stuff like that, but I, I just don't understand the uh, the 
the stupidity of it sometimes. And Kane's you know? hit too. Um, yeah, I mean that was that's the other thing too. The the, the Kane game the other night and the stick. It's I mean, uh, the yeah, he hits, just, smokes Brandon Hagel from like he skated from far out and then smoked him right from behind. He's lucky he has a and, job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yep. It's just sometimes you just sometimes you just you know you're just not smart. You know, you just go, you go brain dead and you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. This is how I play. Like, yeah, cool, man. But like, also you, you need to keep playing. You need to kind of prove yourself here. You know, I was down and, Joe on the ice and, and and I'll let you finish up the last point on this too. When I took my kid to the Islanders game last week down at U, uh, UBS, the new arena, and I got him down, we got there early for the, to the for the pre-skate shoot, the practice, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so we got down there on the glass and you're, you, that's it. That's as close as, you know, my little guy's going to get to them right now, like I said, from the plexiglass. And his buddies, you know, his heroes are there right now, you know, Lee and Barzell mm-hmm. and uh, Beauvillier and everything. And now I'm sitting back as a dad, and I'm just sitting back a couple rows back. And I'm sitting there going, it just must be amazing being a hockey player. And then you see, mm-hmm. like, the young kids at the Ulster game, like Zegris and stuff like that, and use. And you can just, I mean, they're set now. I mean, they're just, they're playing their favorite game, you know, mm-hmm. And they're getting paid for it, and I'm sitting here just that's the like the magic, and that that's what how much I am of a fan. Like when I was a kid, you always have that dream you want to be, be a hockey player, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a hard journey to get there. And then you you see the crap that goes on. Look, hockey's emotional. We're not being uh, prudes here yeah. and stuff like that. We're all for the physical stuff, and it's a music, emotional game. And hey, if a guy whacks you, you got to welcome back. But some of the stuff where guys are looking to really kind of intently hurt people or put people out of a job, and that's why I always joke about about the NHLPA. You guys are part of the Players Association, but when you guys are on nice, you just don't give a crap about each other. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to get is how lucky these guys are to get to play this game. And I know how hard it is. It's mm-hmm. not all just luck because they've earned their spot on the team, but... Um, for the guys who go out there sometimes and just recklessly, whether it's a young guy who's going through some stupid shit in his head or whatever and he loses his head, or if it's a guy like Marchand who's just old and tired and he doesn't have any time for anybody's chit-chat in the ice, so he goes ahead and he crosses somebody in the head or whatever. But I think there's a great thing about being a player in this league, and I get a, I get a, I get ticked off seeing just guys just doing stupid stuff to tarnish the league. And mm-hmm. there's worse stuff. We talked about racism and all this other crap. And stuff, oh, yeah. But, but specifically just seeing this crap right after the All-Star game is like, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a lack of respect thing, you know, um, a lack of respect in the heat of competition, which sounds like talking out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> but like, that's that's really what it is. I mean, everybody's you know, everybody gets, you know, hot and bothered when you're out there trying to win games. And, you know, the emotions ride high, you know, especially if some stuff goes down. You know, something, you know, if, you know, if somebody gets hit the wrong way, then, you know, you know, how many times do we see people get all get all annoyed after when there's a fight after a big hit, you know, big clean hit, especially people are just like, oh, why are they fighting? It's like, well, you know, that's their teammate. Like their teammate took a took a big hit. And, they're, you know, somebody's going to be somebody's going to be pissed about it. So, you know, it's not really that different than how it was in the 80s. Like, you know, the, the thing was, that, is that if you tried to lay a big hit on on a star player back then or somebody, you were going to get a, you were going to get into a fight. That's even, you know, that's, that's even not even making the hit, you know, that's, that's just, that's just going out there and being like, I'm going to hit Gretzky. And it's like, Dave Semenko's like, oh yeah, the hell you are. You know, Marty <laughs> McSorley hops off the bench. He's like, I don't think you're going to do that, pal. You know, it's, you know, it's not like that anymore, but it's, 
it, it's definitely a respect thing. And I, I do like that in youth leagues or, you know, especially like hits, hits from behind and stuff like that, putting the stop signs in the back of the Jersey and, you know, reminding guys like, Hey, if you see the stop sign, pay attention. You know, like, don't, don't, don't go try blasting that guy through the, through the boards, you know, can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is good to get kids trained on that. But like, you know, I'm also kind of of the mind, like maybe kids shouldn't be body checking each other at eight or nine or 10. Like, you know, yeah, I don't right. think they need to be doing that at that age. Like just, you know, let, let that be, let idea, that be a Joe, teenage Put the thing. stop sign on the helmets of the guys in the NHL. I know that might look like a bullseye at that point. I think that's, <laughs> oh, that yeah, might be, exactly that might be part idea. of the problem. <laughs> oh, that's where the elbow goes. Wham. Oh man. Bad idea. Great stuff, Joe. Quick one today. Um, Noted hockey is out. The new one's out. And Megan's right. Day coming up on Monday for all things right. Buffalo Sabres. Uh, you got any uh, plans for this weekend? You going to watch the Super Bowl or what, Joe? Uh, I think I might tune in. Who are you choosing? Who are you picking? Who you got? Oh, I, I got to go with the – Matthew Stafford's my guy. I got to oh. go with the – that's that's my heart. That's my heart making that pick. Maybe not the brain, but I, I think even the brain says the Rams are going to win. But I'm really hoping Stafford wins it and show the Lions how stupid they are. All right, buddy. Well, eat, don't eat too many wings and win lots of money, okay? Okay, so 35 wings and win five bucks. Got it. Good. <laughs> or lose 20 bucks. Oh, man. <laughs> You're the best, Joe. Have a super weekend. We'll catch you next week, brother. You got it, Paulie. Be good, man. All right. Joe Yard, ladies and gentlemen, right here on that hockey show. And THS rolls on. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the great city of Chicago. There's a lot of great things about Chicago. Maybe not the football, maybe not the hockey right now. The Cubs every now and again, the White Sox sometimes, the Bulls, I don't know. But when it comes to people, they got some of the best. And one of them right now is Mr. Tab Bamford, back here on THS. What's up, Tab? Welcome back to that hockey show, brother. Oh, man, I'm just sitting here living the dream, not having to deal with my basketball team trying to get rid of James Harden, Uh, (laughs) my football team having a new GM, a new coach, a new vision, theoretically the best quarterback in the division if Aaron Rodgers isn't back in Green Bay, Uh, because I can't see him going to Detroit. Come on now. Uh, (laughs) And, yeah, and uh, and the Blackhawks playing the role of uh, coach killer. Uh, So, you know. It's, it's, it's a time to be alive, man. Time to be alive. No doubt about it. Well, look, I, I did it with Joe before. I'm going to do it with you two. Uh, ladies first today. Uh, we got to tip the hat there to uh, Cameron Granado. Get the GM I spot. Uh, assistant GM spot, obviously, in um, Vancouver. Hopefully one day she will get a GM spot on a hockey team. Maybe even the Chicago Blackhawks one day, because I know they're looking for one. But uh, your take on Cammy getting the the position there in Vancouver, and maybe we can kind of still talk about uh, the current search of the Chicago Blackhawks and the Shirelli being thrown out there. Yeah, well, look, uh, speaking of great things from Chicago, the Granado family qualifies. Cammy grew up in Downers Grove, which is not too far away from where I grew up. I think it's great. Um, I think what we're starting to realize in hockey, which – uh, I think other sports have struggled to grasp is that um, you don't necessarily need to have played the game 
for a long time or at an exceptionally high level to know what the hell you're talking about uh, or be a man for that matter. And I think if you talk to people who pay attention to women's hockey in the United States and abroad, uh, the list of individuals who have been as influential as Cami Granado is, is in a, a pretty short list. And so uh, I think it's great that Vancouver uh, has brought her in. I, frankly, I was a little surprised uh, after she had what amounted to be a, a relatively short stint as a scout with Seattle. Um, I thought it was phenomenal that Seattle brought her in as a scout, but obviously going from scout to AGM is a big move, so great for her. Um, and I think she's going to do a great job, and I do think that you're not too far away from seeing a woman being named a general manager in the NHL or another sport for that matter. And I think Cammy is, is one of those individuals who is matriculating her way in the right direction to get there. Uh, and as we've talked about with other issues that hockey and other sports have, uh, the roadblock for individuals like Cammy is opportunity. Uh, and with opportunity comes mentors and for many people, it's seeing someone doing the job that you want makes it believable that you can do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for Cammy to be that trailblazer, I don't think it's anything new for her to be a trailblazer. I don't think that it's anything that's going to be overwhelming for her. I mean, heck, the border, bordering on, you know, throwing Suter Sutter, name your pronunciation guide out there. Um, you look at the last 30 years of, of hockey in the United States and the Granados have been right there, man, uh, at the top of the list for, you know, helping kids develop growth and influence and impact. And uh, I'm thrilled that it's not limited to the men in the family uh, making an impact with the NHL. So tip of the cap, uh, flowers, all of the things that you can send in the general direction of Cami Granado for being named the AGM in Vancouver. And I think that she will be a tremendous asset for them. Bravo. Well said. And I agree. And I was mentioning Joe too. I mean, uh, she's married to one of the smartest guys too. And it's Ray Ferraro too in hockey. Who's, uh, I mean, they're just a, a dedicated hockey family. They've been that way, you know, um, throughout playing, you know, since playing they were five years old, it's right. their it's life. Crazy, man. So right? <laughs> yeah. Not many people have been around as much hockey as that family or seen it at as many levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to have, uh, obviously, brothers and spouse in the game uh, obviously has shown her a lot of hockey. But at the end of the day, Cammy Granado is the AGM in Vancouver. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing here is Ray Ferraro is now the husband of the assistant GM of the Vancouver Canucks. Very good. That's a good way to look at it there. All right, so uh, let's jump on over to, um, well, I mean, speaking of GMs, what's the story? What's going to happen in Chicago here? Um, oh. I don't, I don't, it's it's kind of rough in Chicago these days, man. I don't even know if she'll bring it up anymore. Do you want to talk about something else? Like, um, Beating I don't the know. Oilers? <laughs> <laughs> Costing Dave Tippett his job? Well, yeah, because yeah okay, well, then, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I like that. So, I mean, if you got nothing on the GM side for us, uh, then we can We've talk got, about I, that. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff on the GM side, so we can, we can start there. I just... Enjoyed the limited opportunities that we have as Blackhawks people this year to throw shade at an organization. And you know what? It was it was ugly seeing Duncan Keith go down last night. Uh, wasn't a dirty play. He got caught up, went into the boards awkwardly. Looked like he was out when he got to the ice. 
got helped off the ice. So we're hoping Duncan Keith gets back because you hate to see it, especially against the team that he was such a warrior for, for, you know, from the time that he was drafted to the time that he left, you know, half of his life. So, um, and Dave Tippett lost his job because they got handed to him. They outshot the Hawks 20 to six in the second period, scored once, lost four to one. And Dave Tippett's looking for a new gig. So, uh, I mean, Tippett wasn't the problem there. I don't think I'm not going to put everything on him. Um, a lot of people still respect the heck out of the guy, but, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. If you really truly believe that the missing link between a team that's massively underwhelming and a championship contending proposition is Evander Kane, I've got some oceanfront property in Lake Worth, Texas to sell you. We're not even going to go as close as Arizona at this point. So, um, Denver, Colorado, 20 minute flight to Hawaii, if you believe that garbage. So, <laughs> Um, so we wish the Oilers good luck with that mess. Um, we'll see what the new coach has for him there. But jumping over to Chicago side of things, you know, you saw Kirby Doc have a good night last night. Looked like he might have lost one of his teeth. So good for him, turning 21 and getting the grill rearranged. Nice. Uh, Dylan Strom has been playing really well. We've talked about him the last few weeks. He might actually He's be only playing started well. playing well since you said he should be back in the lineup on a regular basis. So he's everybody to thank but you. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is what I'm here for, is to encourage people to make common-sense decisions. Um, so here's the, here's the situation now. I bring up Dylan Strom as this subtle, as a sledgehammer transition to what do the Blackhawks do at the deadline? And right now it looks like Kyle Davidson, the interim GM, who is the first candidate interviewed, who's been with the Blackhawks since 2010, where he was an intern, uh, so that's the only gig that he's ever had. The organization loves him, but he's the interim. And they're interviewing all over the place for the next GM. And it looks like the Blackhawks, even though I've openly advocated here and elsewhere, that they pull the trigger on some things sooner than later. It looks like they're going to wait and try and get a new GM into the seat before the deadline and let that individual make the decisions, which, you know, today's the NBA trade deadline. and We're watching everything go to hell in a handbasket for basketball right now. The NHL could have a feisty deadline themselves, and the Blackhawks have some really interesting pieces. Strom, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Calvin DeHaan, Dominic Kubelik. So the Blackhawks really could be kind of at the pivot of a lot of what happens at the trade deadline, depending on the degree to which they want to sell and what they can get back. And so whoever comes in is going to have a lot on their plate really quickly. Um, And so the list that they've started to announce and – much like NFL teams, the Blackhawks are announcing via Twitter and on their site, everyone that they're interviewing, you know, it's interesting to see what the mix is because you've got some younger names, Davidson, again, was in wearing the interim hat right now, been with the team for now, you know, 12 years. Um, Eric Tulski is another guy uh, who, is the AGM in Carolina in his eighth season with the Hurricanes. Uh, obviously, you look at what Carolina's been able to do with Ron Francis down there. Francis has sworn by the kid, loves him. Uh, see, he's one of those names that's at the top of everybody's list of like who the next hot GM candidate is. Uh, and you look at what Carolina's doing right now and, and what they've been able to build, and it's hard to argue with it. And we, we talked at the early, earlier in the season, like, how do they get over losing Dougie Hamilton? Yeah. You know, slot a guy in, and it, and it happens. So you got him. They've interviewed Scott Mellenby. Uh, he of the 1,400 
31 game, 21 season NHL career that included 840 points. Um, spent some time in Vancouver's front office, was an assistant coach for the Blues, was the AGM in Montreal, uh, who got his walking papers a day before Mark Bergevin got uh, tossed to the curb. So he hasn't been a GM. He's a little bit on the older side, but obviously if you play for 21 years, you've been involved in just about any kind of transaction you'd want. He's, ne- he's been on the negotiating side for both, obviously working with Montreal. I think if you look at the track record that Bergevin had in Montreal, you'd be a little bit, it's easier as a fan to be more excited about what Carolina's done than Montreal. So maybe that doesn't quite do it for you, but obviously he's a guy that has some experience. And then, uh, Peter, Peter Shirelli, um, half <laughs> my life. Um, Peter, they interviewed Peter oh, Shirelli, no. um, no. which I tweeted would be an unmitigated disaster. I don't even want to talk about it because that feels like such a slap and experience bandaid on it. Well, and well, ask, can I stop you the tab on that? Why do you think, why do you think they would even, br- why would they even interview him? Well, I here, look, Rocky, has given the wheel to Danny in theory works to drive the, drive the ship right now. And I think if you're interviewing a bunch of guys who have not been general managers, you're going to get some unique perspectives. Shirelli obviously has been the GM in a number of places, nine years in Boston, you know, four or five years in Edmonton. Um, They've been down in St. Louis for a few months. Um, so, you know, you look at Shirelli, and I think he, he brings some perspective to it. And he's not even the most interesting name that's been thrown out there. The, the Blackhawks interviewed a gentleman by the name of Jeff Greenberg uh, for the job. Wasn't he in the Hangover and, 3? Uh, you might have been. Uh, the hangover is what Hawks fans have right now, and we will all have on Monday after the Super Bowl. Uh, rest in peace, Dennis Bernstein's Rams. Um, <laughs> Jeff Greenberg is currently an assistant GM uh, of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> okay. So... Um, it's it's interesting when you start considering going outside of the sport. The Cleveland Browns hired uh, a guy out of baseball to run their operation. Um, it's interesting. Uh, before and during the game last night, Dave Kaplan on NBC Sports Chicago had a lengthy sit down with Danny Wirtz where he talked about it, and he said, "You know, we're not going to leave any rock unturned um, in trying to do this." and he was interested in looking at how baseball evaluates players, performance, biometrics, the way that baseball utilizes really, really deep analytics to look at how they can find and you know find the best talent, um, try and turn coal into diamonds, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a fascinating name. And then Matthew Darsh, uh, obviously from Tampa, um, who is the director of hockey ops for the Bolts. Uh, he's interviewed with Montreal and Vancouver. So he's he's been in there too. So if you've got Tampa, that's an interesting one. He's been there since 
2019. So he kind of came in right as they were getting to the peak. Um, so, you, I mean, you've got a, a really wide stretch of people with different levels of experience, different roles, different sports uh, weighing in on this thing. And so uh, I appreciate the due diligence that the Blackhawks are going through with this search. They're not just grabbing a name off of the, you know, the obligatory who's a GM that we know scrap heap because obviously this has been an incredibly tumultuous year for the Chicago Blackhawks as an organization, really an unprecedented amount of change with uh, the uh, firing. I'm not going to say that he resigned because he shouldn't have been given the ability to of Stan Bowman. And then uh, Jeremy Colton gets the can so he can go coach Canada in the Olympics. God bless the Maple Leaf. Good luck with that. Um, you got players getting hurt. You're still dealing with the COVID stuff. So there's so much going on with the Blackhawks on top of the fact that they are still trying to unpack and deal with and own uh, one of the more vile, disgusting tragedies and uh, cover-ups in the history of the National Hockey League as far as I'm concerned with the Kyle Beach situation. And so the thoughtfulness that Danny Wirtz is putting into this process. Obviously they brought in Patrick Sharp, Marion Hose and Eddie Olchek to kind of help that guiding committee. So we'll see where they eventually go. If I was going to throw a hat in the ring here, other than my own, which I've sent my resume over a couple of times in the last three to five months, uh, haven't gotten an email that, back, but I, I keep checking the spam folder just in case. Um, <laughs> no, no dice yet. Uh, but I mean, I, I would, my leader in the clubhouse from my perspective would be Tulski because I think you look at the fact that he's climbed the ladder in Carolina and been there full time since 2015, which is really, he's been part of that full build. Uh, and he's got a background in advanced hockey analytics. Greenberg, I appreciate that they're looking at the way that different sports weaponize their analytics, but hockey's a different animal, I think, than baseball. And so, I would go Tulski based on the list that they've put out there so far. Um, cross my fingers that it's not Shirelli because uh, a lot of people are like, oh, he helped the Boston win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, what's he done in the 10-plus years since? Uh, lost as much hair as I have, and that's about it. So um, so I would, I would lean Tulski. Uh, but, again, I appreciate the lengths to which they're interviewing and the way that they're transparently acknowledging everyone that they're interviewing for the job. I would love to see some more diversity on the list. Uh, a lot of people threw Kevin Weeks' name around. I would love for him if he wants that, which, again, the question is, does he want to leave the TV booth uh, to jump into the fray of a front office? But I would love to see uh, some diversity on the list. But I think from an experience perspective, you've got a really fascinating group uh, that the Chicago Blackhawks have spoken with thus far. Be interesting, no doubt about it. The uh, the ongoing enigma of what is the Chicago Blackhawks right now. All right, so Tippett's out there. I, I don't know how Edmonton fixes what the all the problems they have, especially with uh, you know McJesus up front and Drysaddle. I don't know what they're going to do there. And, and a couple other coming goings. I want to get your take on. Obviously, is um, you know Barubi. Obviously, speaking about your division there too. He gets a three year extension. They're about ten points behind Colorado. They're in the standings right now. Um, Nashville, we talked about Minnesota up there as well too. Um, as far as what's going on there in the central, but a nice, um, 
a nice three-year extension for Berube there. Maybe you can take on that. And obviously, uh, Duchamp getting let go in Montreal, and Marty St. Louis comes in. Uh, Joe was telling me before, I didn't get to see it yet, but heard his press conference was great, but maybe just your take there on, on uh, I guess, I don't know. How do you fix the Oilers? Um, your thoughts on Marty getting the gig here with not too much experience outside of the fact that he's an amazing player, amazing person, and maybe that's what the Canadians need, whether it's short-term or long-term. And then your thoughts on Berube here getting the three-year extension with the Blues. Well, I mean, starting with Berube, uh, I think he's a terrific coach. Uh, I think he's a credit to that organization. I think that they have had so much turnover with veterans over the last four years um, that they are really still in the process of trying to lock down and solidify who exactly the core group is. I mean, between 2010 and about 2018, you had a pretty good idea what the who the heartbeat was in St. Louis. And you just had to look at David Backus to know what the temperature in the room was. And you look at some of the guys that have left their blue line and some of the younger guys that they've brought in. And I think Barubi's done a really nice job this year of making that team really competitive. But again, we talk about the Western Conference and it is so top heavy. You literally look at the two divisions in the West and the top four teams have positive goal differentials. The bottom four teams in both divisions are negative. Yeah, Dallas is only minus one. Winnipeg's minus six. Edmonton's minus three. Edmonton being minus three is ridiculous after 44 games because out of the 143 goals, I think 118 are from Dreisaitl and McDavid alone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe play defense sometime this generation. (laughs) Um, But uh, maybe, uh, you know, put any kind of value at all on playing the defensive end of the rink. Put low on coffee back there. Even at the Raids, they'd probably do a better job. That's that's true. Uh, And, I mean... God bless him, but Mike Smith was not the answer, and bringing him back didn't work, and he he was fighting it last night. But I think Ruby's done a really nice job, and I think some stability behind the bench will help them try and create stability on the bench, in the room, and he's a good dude. So good for him. You know, they've got three games in hand on Nashville, who's right now, based on points, is in second place in the division. They've played 44, which is the same number as Colorado, 11 points back. Minnesota, with only 42, actually, is kind of in the catbird seat at 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. So mm-hmm. top half of that division is going to be interesting. I think St. Louis and Minnesota are going to give Colorado some some pressure. Uh, and Nashville's going to have to get their act together and might have to make a really hard decision on Philip Forsberg if they want to hang on to it and go for it and lose them for nothing or try and figure something out. But Nashville's a, a fascinating team. So I, I like the Barubi deal. Um how do you fix Edmonton? I, Oilers fans are going to hate me for saying this, but you have to do something dramatic because obviously the mix in the room isn't working. You've seen other teams make dramatic moves, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what is absolutely abundantly clear is that what they have isn't good enough. And my question is, is a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins a guy that you consider moving at peak value? Um to go get some assets that make sense to help actually fix what you're doing going forward. Because look, giving up Caleb Jones, uh, for Duncan Keith. Um, look, Caleb has not been an all-star this year. He's certainly not his brother, but the fact that Chicago didn't retain a penny in that deal looks absolutely terrible for Edmonton. 
And uh, and Duncan Keith was amazing for the Blackhawks. Uh, like I said, he's a, he was a warrior here. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Number two will be in the Raptors at some point, hopefully with 28. Retire 28, Steve Lummer. <laughs> um, there it is. There's your week. Ring the bell. There's your weekly retire Steve Lummer's number. I got to ring the bell for that. <laughs> um, but you got to do something serious. And they, they look, Nurse got the bag. He's not going anywhere. Dryside and McDavid are getting paid. So those are your th- those are the three horses that you're riding to the show here. So the question is, what do you do around them? What can you afford to do around them? And does it even matter? They're five points back at Calgary, but Calgary's got a plus 38 goal differential. And Calgary Edmonton's minus three. I mean, and Calgary's played 16 home games out of 43. We talked about it last week. They're gonna they're home cooking in March, man. Yep. So. You know, I, I think they got to do something dramatic. And the question is, does the front office have the intestinal fortitude to pull the trigger on something big enough and bold enough that it shakes the room up enough that something significant happens? Because the, the level of leadership that they need doesn't grow on trees. And with do, all due respect to Duncan Keith, he's at a stage in his career where him just going out there and playing his tail off isn't what they need. They need somebody that's going to come in and act like a captain, even though they'll never wear the C there. And they don't have that right now. And so the question is, what do they have that has any value that they could mix it up? Because you can't go just slap expensive Band-Aids on it because you're already throwing half of your salary cap at three guys. So Edmonton's got to gotta think outside the box a little bit, and I think they need to be bold. Oh, and by the way, Claude Drew ain't it either, so let's not even <laughs> talk about that gong show in Philadelphia. Holy cow. It's funny, you know, you, you bring up Drew and the Flyers. I'm like sitting there going, man, we we haven't really talked about the Flyers at all this year. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> the forgotten it, it, franchise. We, we, we've talked about everything that they've had of value to talk about. Nothing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, well, Brutal. look, I mean, they, they, they went for it this summer and it backfired just like the Blackhawks. So, God bless them. We'll see what ends up going on there. Um so, yeah, I mean, what, what what else was on the list here? Marty, baby. Marty behind the oh, bench Marty. in Montreal, baby. Well, here we go. The long draw on cigar. Montreal, goal differential, negative 79 <laughs> in 45 games, uh, which is actually worse than uh, Arizona. Arizona's only at a minus 71, and they've played two more games. So we're talking have, about a team that's chasing the number one overall pick. Yo, four more wins, baby. There's no question Marty is one of the most respected players of the last 20 years. Um, you, if you know his story and, and having to basically be his own advocate and fight his ass off to get to anything in the NHL and then have a Hall of Fame career, it's remarkable. And I think Montreal got to a point where We've got guys that have established themselves as coaches uh, who have done some things as coaches. We had a front office that had done some things um, in the past that we were interested in, but the whole thing was busted. And we talk about Edmonton, we talk about Philly, we talk about Chicago. They needed something dramatic to change the narrative. And so they brought in a guy who's massively respected, who fought for every inch he ever got, all five foot four of them. So what is that? 64 inches. Um, and worst case scenario, he's a breath of fresh air and he changes the systems up and brings 
some energy to the room. Because uh, let's be real, it can't get much worse. Yeah, they are five fourteen and one at home. They are three sixteen and six on the road. They have one win and points in four of their last ten games. They are the they are the smoldering embers in the bottom of what used to be a dumpster fire. And so, go get that number one overall pick. Cross your fingers that the lottery works out your way. Uh, and see if see if Marty can give you some sense of a different direction. See if he can get anything more. And you know what, Paul? I look at a kid like Cole Caulfield, who, if you go based on nothing but probably skill and talent alone, probably a light years ahead of what Marty St. Louis was at the same age. And Cole's not a big dude. We're not talking about Shea Weber here. It, and and I mean Cole Caulfield was the was the trendy pick for the Calder this year, and he's kind of been very pedestrian, up and down. He's played a little bit in the A this year. So if he can find whatever the the combination is to the padlock to unlock what we saw at the end of last year from Cole Caulfield, that might be worth it by itself. Um, and that. I mean, you're you're at. Let's just experiment. Let's just throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. Stage in Montreal, uh, and I think you know if Marty wants to be a head coach, you look at Danny Briere moving up the ladder and, and Philly. You're starting to see some other players, which completely contradicts what I was saying about the Blackhawks search and Cami Granado. But uh, you've got some former players that are trying to jump into the fray here and want to make that front office move and uh, or head coaching move. And if if Marty wants it, and this there's only 32 jobs. If he can get one of them and, and show that he's got something, this might be a stepping stone to either longer term in Montreal or something else. Um, but can't get much worse. You have played 45 games and you have seven regulation wins. That ain't good. Well, my question, look, I love the guy too. Um, I'm just kind of curious because he doesn't have the experience, obviously, and like it's just the I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a Montreal Canadiens fan now. Costa, our buddy here on THS, yeah, um, obviously hasn't been available to work with us this year, but he he put out some tweets as far as you know his vibes on it in terms of you know some experience and 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 obviously other guys too in the past haven't gotten uh, haven't had the experience to get the job. You got to start somewhere, whatever. For a, for a storied franchise like that, for Jeff Gordon being in control there, and I, I, my, the, um, I forget who, who just who got who did uh, Jeff hire to help him out there, uh, the GM, the new GM, right? So they got the new GM. Yeah, Gordon's who in was there. An agent. Yeah. So, like, if if things, I know you say they couldn't get any worse, and I guess the the, the wins and losses for the rest of the, the matter. I guess I'm trying to just put myself in if if I'm a Rangers fan, if if. You know, when we got Trotje in here. But Trotz, he had experience as an assistant coach. He was on the bench. He was part of all that stuff. And maybe, uh, you know, Paul, go screw yourself. You don't, you know, if you're a Hall of Fame player, you have all that experience anyway, even if you haven't just put the soda on and got behind the bench here or there in a weather. I guess I'm just trying to figure out how does this work for a team that's in such shambles and if it does get worse, say he doesn't win a game, um, could that tarnish him for the future? Does Montreal, I know they're currently a laughing stock as it is right now, but 
I guess I'm just kind of not getting the fit there. I think what you said makes a little more sense because his he's respected. Um, the the press will carry him, will carry it that way. The fans will, but who knows if it goes really bad? It won't. The interim thing obviously protects Martin in that aspect. I guess to me, I'm just sitting here. Maybe I, and I should shut up rambling on. It's not a hockey sense move to me. It's a business move. It's a PR move, like you were saying before. Yeah, and I do think that it's a PR move in large part. But I also think here's what's what fascinates me most about this is the overwhelming majority of the time when you get an interim coach, it's somebody from inside the organization. Yeah. Blackhawks fire Calton. They bring Derek King up from the AHL. Uh, Edmonton burns the house halfway down because they needed the other half of the house to run the ship for a while. Well, even with Duchamp and Julianne, it's the same thing. And I guess right. that's the thing. Like, But they were on the bench. They were with the team. They know the players. They know they can right. make tinkers to a system that's already in place. They're on the ice with them. They travel with them and all that other stuff. Boom, Marty just gets dropped in. Not a lot of experience. Obviously, the whole family. Yeah. But can, can he run a bench? We don't even know if he can run a bench yet. Yeah, and, and you know, that's, I think... We've talked a lot about Jeff Gordon uh, this season, and I openly advocated for him to be a guy that the Blackhawks brought in as either GM and or uh, president of Hockey Ops. Uh, I respect what he did in New York so much because he went and found some really exceptional guys, Adam Fox, um, and got them for next to nothing. Um, But... I think the rub on Gorton was that the coaching hires didn't always add up to the quality of the player transactions. Now, he got run before they had a chance to go get Gallant. Uh, I'm not sure that I would say that he would not have hired Gerard Gallant. Uh, so hard for us to project that that wouldn't happen if Jeff was still there. But, I mean, this is a, this is a guy who has a pretty good track record as a GM who just brought in a former agent as his general manager, which is, you know, a relatively unconventional move into itself. Uh, and now he's, he's going to Marty as his head coach. And I understand the fear that this could tarnish St. Louis' future candidacy as a head coach. But I think when you look at where the reality is in Montreal right now, and no Carey Price, no Shea Weber, no leadership, no good hockey. <laughs> um, no fans. Or not no fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every one of them that probably wanted to pay showed up. Um, and I, I don't know that it could really get worse in Montreal. Knock on wood, of course. I, I've joked in the past, the first time you ask, is this rock bottom? There will be another level. But... I don't think things could get marketably worse in Montreal than they are right now. And I really feel like what they are looking for up there is someone to come in with some of the young forwards that they have and try to figure out how to get that Mason jar of potential lid off. And if he can do that, that'll be great. And I look back at at the Chicago Blackhawks history and the first head coach in Chicago 
when 19 and 88 arrived was Dennis Savard. And he was brought in to teach a couple young potential superstars what it takes to be the face of a franchise in an original six city, Chicago. He knew it as well as anyone, having been the face of the franchise here with Steve Larmer, retired 28. That's two. There you go. Bing, bing. And he and, and Taves and Kane to this day will talk about the relationship that they have with him as friends. Uh and the influence that he had on them becoming professional hockey players. And I think with if we acknowledge and own the fact that the rest of this season doesn't mean crap in Montreal, except trying to figure out what's broken and try and fix a little bit of it, even if it's masking tape, invisible tape, not even duct tape, if you're just getting a little more, if you can get 60% instead of 30% out of some of these guys, Lord help us if he can find 100% of Caulfield then I think it's worth it. And if he's an interim for the rest of the year and he moves on, he has experience now on the resume and he can go get something else. We just talked about the Chicago Blackhawks GM search, and there's a couple guys that started as interns in front offices. I view this as an internship for Martin St. Louis. Hmm. And if that internship can be a productive one for him and the franchise, then nobody will have a question. If it ends up being what it's been, I don't know how many people are really going to blame Marty because it was broken when he got here. Yeah. You don't grab a car with three flat tires and wonder why they can't win the Indy 500. Hmm. And that's kind of what we got here. Good analogy. You're giving, you're giving Mario Andretti a Yugo with one tire on it, and you're telling him to go race. <laughs> He'll do what he can, man. Well, I wish him uh, good luck. Like I said, I, I like him. And, um, I hear this press conference went really well. I wanted to check out the clip after the show here today. And oh, it's impossible out. to not love Marty St. Louis. Yeah. It's one of the class acts of the game's ever seen. Yeah. And they'll love him up there. But mm-hmm. long term, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's worth at this point, you know, <laughs> damn it. It'll worth be a some shot. story if he does. If he does yeah. get any kind of success with them, you know. But then again, mm-hmm. you look at what Deshaun did with that squad last year and getting them to the finals. I mean, what a what a swing, huh? Yeah. You're in the finals last year, and now you're just you're basically worse than an AHL team. Yeah, well, Brutal. you look at the, they they had they had a lot of dead money. They decided to not bring a, you know some guys back. Uh, I think you know not trading Philip Deneau, and you know that goes back to the Forsberg thing. Philip Deneau was going to leave, and they kept him to ride it out, and. He left and went and got paid. They never replaced him. And look, Philip Deneau is not Patrice Bergeron, but he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. Now, people who watch him think that there's a lot of, you know, really high-end skill in there. And I think if you talk to our buddy Dennis Bernstein out in L.A., there's a lot to like about The Dennis Deneau's Bernstein? Game. The. Uh, he of the uh, double dipping on all star games in Vegas, Dennis Bernstein. He's got some nerve. Uh, Super Bowl bound <laughs> with uh, Hinsdale Central starting graduate at center, LA Rams. My high school produced the starting center for the Rams. And isn't so he, is I, he uh, I mean, would, would we be surprised if he's not jetting out to Beijing on Monday after the game to I mean, wrap the, up the Olympics? I mean, at the, at, 
Well, I think the Olympic coverage would benefit from it based on the TV ratings. <laughs> uh, frankly, he could probably do a better job than Calton at coaching Canada. Uh, but here we are. Um, apologies to Jeremy Calton's family for keeping it that level of real. Uh, and good luck to Dennis if he does take that mantle because he's picking up a mess. But anyway, um, yeah, I just there's so much going on with moving pieces in the NHL right now. And you look at the way that the world's melting around the NBA trade deadline. And I think that the NHL is set up here for an insane five, six weeks before its own deadline. Cause you have some really big time players with a lot of skill who have meant a lot to the franchises that they're with in the case of Giroux, who have meant a lot to the league as a whole, Marc-Andre Fleury, who could be on the market and finding a new home. And that really fascinates me. And I think that we're going to have a lot of really fun conversations with, especially when you consider how many coaches and front office positions are changing hands this late in the year. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun coming up. No doubt about it. Last thing before I let you go, Tab is a quick take on Tuka Rask retiring. Um, you've, uh, you know, the ins and outs of Hall and Fame's, for all sports, uh, do you think he's worthy of it down the road? It's a and fascinating I only, only asked that, buddy, because um, I just saw somebody tweet that earlier today, and I thought it was, hmm. It's a fascinating case. I think the fact that he was the man in Boston uh, will probably help him. Um, I think if you put his numbers up against a guy who many people don't think of as a Hall of Famer and Corey Crawford, you might be surprised at how favorably Corey Crawford's numbers compare I think that's where you start to get into the rub of, well, if one guy's a Hall of Famer, one isn't, what's the difference? It's Boston. Um, and he he did so many great things on and off the ice while he was in Boston that uh, certainly leaves a really nice legacy out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in net. Yeah. Because they were kind of banking on him helping him a lot down the stretch here, and you know, they've, they've, they've got a, a young guy by the name of Jake DeBrusque that wants out. Uh, could they be a dark horse in the Marc-Andre Fleury conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spot that, available. That, there's a spot available, and that's a team that certainly – look, if there's a team that's going to go for it, it's the one that's got Bergeron in the final year of a deal uh, that's fighting literally to keep their idiots from getting suspended for a week and a half because he can't keep his hands to himself, Selena Gomez. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I think that that's one that really fascinates me. The first thing I thought of when I saw the Tuka Rask was hanging him up was how would it work for them to make a run for Flurry? Because I think that's a fascinating opportunity for those two, uh, and those two teams have been linked in a lot of rumors over the last couple years. So it would be very interesting to see if something were to come to fruition between Boston and Chicago with a goaltender involved. Things to look forward to as the rest of the world waits for the New York Rangers to take the ice once again next week against those Boston Bruins that we're just talking about. Yeah, I mean, they, the Rangers get like a month off here. It's kind of nice. Resting up, man, for the run, baby. For the run. Turks run. All right, buddy. Great job as always. But before I let you go, I asked Joe, too. Who you got? Uh, uh, you know, DB's Rams or Burroughs Spengles? We talked about it before. 
and no one gave the Bengals a chance to win at Arrowhead, and they did. Uh, I think Joe Burrow's on the cusp of being the man in the NFL. And the difference here is that the Bengals uh, are not playing a home game, and I think that there's going to be a lot more pressure on the Rams with the amount of money that they've invested in this team playing in their home stadium. And with all due respect to what Tom Brady and the Buccaneers did, playing at home in L.A. is a hell of a lot different than playing at home in Tampa. Yes, indeed. And there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance. Uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement. Uh, that being said, I have already laid some money on Jalen Ramsey at plus 8,000 to be the Super Bowl MVP. I think the Rams are going to win, but I'm not sure they cover the four. I, hmm. I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I, it would not surprise me if Joe Burrow was lighting a cigar like me on Sunday evening. I'm with you, man. But I'm taking the Rams in a close one. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals to cover the four but I think the Rams sneak it out. And I hope my numbers come in because I got big money and some squares coming here. (laughs) Got to pay for uh, children to do things. Yeah, and or to hang out with Dennis Bernstein. One or the other, you know. Oh, I'm not not winning the Powerball. (laughs) I am the Megan. I'm not living the Dennis life. But, you know, I could could take a couple tanks of gas here. So I love it. I love it. Great stuff, Tab, as always. Good luck this weekend. Win lots of monies. Don't eat too many wins, uh, wings. I'm going to try and keep my wing intake down. But I love it, especially on the Super Bowl Sunday, man. But thanks as always, brother. Look forward to getting back to the Hockey Puck Talk next year, uh, next week, buddy. Yeah, looking forward to it. Be good. All right, cheers. Good luck with that GM in Chicago. Maybe he'll be down to, maybe down to Super Bowl. I'm what? waiting for the reply. The email's been sent. <laughs> Go get him, brother. All right, Dan Bamford is always on THS. Great stuff. And THS, Rozo! Well, all right, that's a wrap for this week. Lots of headlines. Lots of stories. Lots of firings. Lots of hirings. Suspensions. Retirements. I think we covered it all here today. Contract extensions. Woo! Players just trying to injure each other on the ice. I don't get it. But anyway, we even got the Super Bowl predictions. Tell you, get it all here at THS. It was all good stuff. Big thanks to Joe and Tab, as always, here. And Steve-O, who we will have back soon. Don't worry about it. We'll go. Uh, we'll get our Gulf Coast guy back here on the airs real soon. And uh, we all missed Costa. Oh. Montreal Canadiens, this franchise. I tell you what, he probably did. He took a great year, great season to take off. But uh, Costa's on the Twitter. You guys follow us everywhere at that hockey show. You'll see Costa's Twitter account on there. Myself, Steve, Tab, and Joe's. And then you can guys chop in on all the yuck yucks. So Costa's got his, he's put his two cents in on Marty St. Louis and the Canadians. So go to at that hockey show, click on Costa's feet and check it out. He's got some great takes on it. But look, until next week, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the big football game this weekend. Win lots of money. Don't eat too many wings. Take care of yourselves. And as always, keep your head up. THS is out!